And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich. Good to be here, Dan. And Dr. John Vance. Hello, everyone. Well, gentlemen, it's a, it's a real pleasure and honor to have you here in the studio with me uh, again today. Uh, you know, it was only uh, two days ago when um, our nation celebrated the Day of Thanksgiving. And certainly as Christians, we have so much to be thankful for. It's not always easy. Sometimes um, we give thanks, and yet having gone through maybe a loss or that sort of thing. I think we'll talk a little bit about that today. But to uh, get us started, uh, Mark, you had mentioned a couple of items prior to opening our mics concerning that first Thanksgiving Day, and I was wondering if you could relate that to our listeners today. Sure. One of the things we understand with the first Thanksgiving was that the uh, the pilgrims, when they came here, they had that first Thanksgiving. We actually didn't really know much about it until almost the middle of the 19th century uh, when Alexander Young was looking through the letters of Edward Winslow, one of the first pilgrims that was here, and discovered in one of his letters that they had had the celebration of the first Thanksgiving in 1621. And they had, of course, invited the Indians uh, to that celebration. But one of the things you have to remember, we have this first Thanksgiving, and we remember it now, but what we also have to remember is that came after they had lost, through both the voyage and that first year, they had lost 50%. Roughly 50% of the group of people that came over with them. Imagine that. Mothers, children, yeah, fathers. Mm. Just think about 50% of your acquaintances gone within a year. Yeah. Very hard winter they went through yes. and uh, weren't entirely prepared for it due to, right. of course, uh, not knowing this new land and what it might bring. But it was especially harsh winter, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a harsh winter. Uh, the Indians basically saved them. They found one of their caches of corn. And uh, one of the things that's not mentioned often by the historians is that within a couple of years, the pilgrims returned the favor to the Indians. The Indians mm-hmm. suffered badly, didn't have a good crop when the Puritans did, mm-hmm. and uh, were able to uh, save is many that of right? the Indians. Yes. Interesting. So from the beginning, there was a pretty good relationship between the pilgrims and the Indians. Later on, it degenerated, but uh, uh, it, it appears that the first uh, couple of decades were fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. They had a very good relationship. One of the things that really helped was the, the Indian Squanto, who had been taken captive and had come back and could speak English. That was providential, wasn't it? It was, absolutely providential. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, the Indians had suffered great losses through disease, Mm-hmm. At that time, their populations were down a- along that area as mm-hmm. well. Now, we sh- probably should uh, inform our listeners the difference between Pilgrim and Puritan. So I'd like to hear you well, uh, on that, Mark. I, they're both Puritans, but the Pilgrims were what we call separating Puritans. They're the Puritans that looked at the Church of England and said... Uh, this thing can't really be fixed. We need to separate from them. Okay. In contrast with the Puritans, for example, who would settle at Salem, who were non-separating, and I can't remember the exact quote when they came over. It was, we do not say farewell to mm-hmm. you know, this corrupt church. No, we say farewell to our home church. But they were the kind that felt that the church could be reformed. Okay. 
and they they were all Englishmen, though. There's no question that they identified with English culture. That's why uh, in 1620, uh, when they landed, had spent 12 years in Holland, Mm -hmm. and uh, they actually left because they were afraid they would lose their English. Heritage. So, so did that make them Dutch Reformed? <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> they found a welcome though. I they found that, a welcome. They, they say that from my friend uh, Albert de Jager. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. there, there, there were a number of reasons that they they left. If you look at Bradford's history of that, and you're right, one of the major ones they didn't want to lose their English heritage, and they didn't want mm-hmm. their children to lose that. Another reason was, of course, they had religious freedom. But the labor that they had to undergo in Holland was so severe, probably because of being outsiders somewhat, um, was they felt they didn't have time to study God's Word and to do and to involve themselves in Mm -hmm. their church as they wanted. What really uh, was the driving motivation for the uh, Puritans or the first generation uh, uh, Puritans are called pilgrims. They were travelers, mm-hmm. right. and they came to these shores. But the second and subsequent generations were known as Puritans, New England Puritans, and mm-hmm. they established. Uh, and I think I'm not exaggerating at all. An extraordinary culture. When the first generation came, uh, they were actually not that literate. Uh, they loved the scriptures, though. They had the Geneva Bible, which Mark has done a lot of work oh, on. Yes. He even has one here with us today. He brought it again today. Yeah. You know, yeah. A couple yeah. weeks ago, he had brought it. 1599 that. edition of the Geneva Bible. Yeah, yeah they, the uh, Geneva Bible was their Bible. And um, so when they came, uh, they established themselves. They knew that education was important. And, yes. of course, they founded Harvard as a school to train ministers. So that, that's ministers. interesting, too. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, what was that, 1634, I believe, Harvard was established. Mm. But the important point is, before long, New England became the most literate society practically on the face of the earth. That's it. And the reason is that they felt that if the scriptures uh, were the word of God, then, of course, you uh, would be blessed by reading it for yourself. Amen. And so, therefore, it became an extraordinarily mm. literate society. They could... Uh, withstand, and I'm going to use that word, uh, sometimes uh, a sermon well more than an hour long, uh, two hours sometimes, and extraordinary long prayers. It was highly intellectual yes. um, discourses on the Scripture, and it was practical, too. The Puritan ministers were careful to apply mm-hmm. the Word of God to their everyday and ordinary life. And a question here. The people that would be reading the Bible for themselves – uh, yeah, I think I know the answer, but they um, stayed in the church. They stayed under authority. They they were taught by godly men. It's not that they went out on their own, started something new. No, never. They they. No. In fact, the church was always put in the center of town, there you and go. the community was built around it. They had a strong uh, doctrine mm-hmm. of the church, or we should say. Uh, they had a strong view of ecclesiology, that yes. God in Christ had established his church. Yeah. And they came to New England, and they established churches the very first thing. Right, and they were the meeting houses, the courthouses as well. Mm-hmm. They Basically, it was worship. And you'll appreciate this too, Dan. In the early early church there, 
One of the requirements of the of the men coming to church was they must had to bring their gun. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. I love that. Hey, that's a good point to uh, break here. Uh, today we're talking about Thanksgiving, two days after we have celebrated Thanksgiving here in the States. And coming up after the break, I'd like us to uh, reflect on a little bit those who um, have gone through Thanksgiving recently, are looking forward to going through Christmas, and yet have lost perhaps a loved one or have lost a job. Um, What words of hope do we have for them? Stay with us. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with our program in just a minute. Now a reminder that your gifts to this ministry enable us to bring you thoughtful, Christ-centered programming 24 hours a day. Would you prayerfully consider helping us with a tax-deductible gift this month? Redeemer Broadcasting is a 501c3 not-for-profit broadcast ministry. We're entirely listener-supported and have no advertisements. If you would like to help support us this month, and perhaps in the future, our mailing address is Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Once again, Redeemer Broadcasting, Post Office Box 1520, Olive Bridge, New York, 12461. Stay with us now for the second half of our program. And welcome back. You're tuned to A Plain Answer right here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me in the studio today, the Reverend Mark Diedrich and Dr. John Vance. Today we're talking about Thanksgiving, this being a couple of days past when we celebrated Thanksgiving here in the States. Now, uh, we want to talk about uh, those who have gone through losses during this time of Thanksgiving. But before we do that, uh, prior to our break, we did mention the churches that were established uh, in those early days by the Puritans. And, uh, John, while the mic was closed, you had mentioned something about the church doors being open or shut during the week as uh, contrasted with the practice that was occurring over in England. Could you help us understand that a little uh, bit more? Thanksgiving uh, that uh, we celebrate, and many are getting over the effects, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, is a family-oriented celebration. Jesus went to celebrations. It's certainly not wrong uh, to hold these celebrations and feast times of Thanksgiving. In fact, it's a good practice. But they did so in their homes. Uh, The church for the Puritan 
was particularly the center of the community and the community life. It could mm-hmm. be used, the church building could be used not only for service, religious services on Sunday, but for town meetings and everything else. Yes. But make no mistake, the center of Christian education was in the family. The home. In the home. Yeah. It was right. where the father and the mother were to train up their children. And that's why they were so literate. They, they taught them to read, to study yes. the scriptures. Uh, they talked about doctrine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an amazing effort. So we could say that's the first American homeschool movement, I suppose. Oh, no question about <laughs> Absolutely. it. Absolutely. No question so about it. Homeschoolers today, we, uh, we look back to a wonderful heritage in that sense. But we started out by saying, uh, and Mark did, giving us a bit of the history of the Puritans, and that even though they suffered 50% approximate loss of human life and everything else, animals, Mm-hmm. Uh, and so forth through that first winter. And, of course, coming over, many died on the ships. But uh, the important thing is that they gave thanks. Yeah. They they must have had a different mentality than most of us. I because think so. Because they made a point to have a feast time and to give thanks yeah. to God yeah. Almighty for his mm-hmm. bountiful blessing. And it reminds me of First uh, Thessalonians 5.18, uh, I looked in Mark's Geneva Bible before, and mm-hmm. it translated the same way as it is in the King James, basically. Mm-hmm. It says the mm-hmm. same thing. And uh, in the New King James, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Mm-hmm. In everything give thanks. Um, now, that could be misunderstood. You had mentioned to me on the phone uh, when we thought we might talk about this uh, subject, yeah. uh, do we thank God that cancer struck someone? Mm-hmm. Well, this verse, if we understand it properly, it means uh, not that you thank God for everything that happens. You don't thank God for a child that just got hit by a truck. No. You don't say thank God. No. Uh, what it means is that in the midst of life circumstances, whether they are good or bad, mm. you have reason to give thanks. These Puritans, these Puritans lost loved ones, mm-hmm. uh, or pilgrims, well, I'll use the correct term, but they found reason in the midst to give thanks. Now, they had a hope that sustained them, too. They thought they would see their family members again. Yes. Yeah, that's hope. A, that's a key thing. You have that. It's that hope. It's that eternity. If you look at Psalm 136, and I like Psalm 136 because it says, well, in the, the Geneva, it says, Praise ye the Lord, because he is good, his mercy endureth forever. Other translations will translate the Hebrew yada as, as thank the Lord, for he is good, his mercy endureth forever. And you have this refrain 26 times. His mercy endureth forever. His mercy endureth forever. That forever is there. And that's an important Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. You know, we have an eternal perspective. Some of this gets very personal to me. It was only four years ago that a friend and a parishioner uh, passed away Mm. unexpectedly. You bet. And I had just got done doing the great side service and was coming home to prepare for the memorial service. And I walked in the door. It was the day before Thanksgiving. And my wife walks up to me and says, your mother just passed away. Yes. Totally unexpected. I remember. Mm. And uh, so we went down and we celebrated Thanksgiving that next day. 
without my mother, seeing all the things that she had already prepared. She had a, the full feast almost Quite already. Quite a cook. Quite a cook she, she was. She was. She was an incredible cook. But we could give thanks and rejoice because we knew she was in heaven. She was with Christ. She's with Christ. That's right. And that we were going to have this thing. And and yes, we grieved, but mm. not without hope. As, yeah. uh, as you know, uh, I lost uh, maybe the two of the most talented people this year in my church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And great friends, yeah. both of them. Yeah. Uh, great friends. One just last night. Mm-hmm. And um, I give thanks to God for them, and I hope to see them again in heaven. Yeah, that's right. But it's perspective that is important. We we lose the sense of thanksgiving because we lose a sense of perspective. The relationship between the word thank and think is the same. They're, they're from the same root. Mm-hmm. You have to think to be thankful. Mm-hmm. And... In some ways, I'm going to reverse it. You have to be thankful to think properly. And I think that's why the Apostle Paul encourages uh, his uh, the members of the body of Christ in his day to rejoice in the Lord and to give thanks. I just preached last week from a passage in the scriptures here, and um, Paul starts out by giving thanks for these people. Before he even talks about the yeah. second coming of the Lord, mm-hmm. give thanks, yeah. and it's it's perspective. And I think uh, when gratitude dies on a man's heart, as an old Southern evangelist once said, that man is nigh unto death. Mm. Yeah, so true. It's so important. I think one of the problems we have is often we relate our our thanksgiving or lack of thanksgiving to the circumstances in which we're at. ESV took that Thessalonian passage and says, in all circumstances, give thanks. And when we focus on the circumstances, you know, if we, you know, find an extra $20 bill in an old jacket, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, we give thanks, right? But when we suffer loss, do we give thanks? Well, here again, that's the focus on the circumstances. Real thanksgiving gives focus on who we thank, and that Mm -hmm. is God, and that he is sovereign over all the circumstances yeah. and are using them for good to those who love him. My good friend passed away last night, probably yeah. around the early this morning, actually around seven seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing I did was thank God for his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What a contribution he's made to all of our so our lives. All of, three, uh, so all three true. of us yeah. here know yeah, absolutely him. And uh, what a contribution he's made to us. I thank God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for him. And uh, when we prayed before we started, uh, Mark, you prayed and recognized he's with Jesus. He really yeah. is. With oh, the is. Lord. Yeah. Mark, you were uh, referring to Psalm 136, and I opened it here just to take a quick peek. Uh, I believe we read it Sunday, this, this past Lord's Day, last Sunday, right. in our church. And uh, what strikes me about the psalm as it goes over God's uh, characteristics, his sovereignty, his I mean, it constantly right. comes back with a refrain, for his mercy endures forever. It's like God hammers that away on my head so that I can finally learn it. His mercy endures forever. And, and it goes through the whole psalm, uh, repeating that refrain, his mercy endures forever. That's right. And one of the things that we need to recognize, you know, when we talk about God's mercy, what is the epitome of God's mercy? 
And that's in his sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross Mm -hmm. and rise three days later for our sins so that we could be transformed from enemies of God to his children. And that's why Christians, those who are trusted in Jesus Christ, can have Thanksgiving far beyond anybody else. Yeah. The common grace Thanksgiving that the world has pales in comparison Hmm. to the Thanksgiving that that a believer in Jesus Christ Hmm. Well, one of the tragedies of... uh, modern life and you see these uh, signs or someone expressing it on television or even school a child may come home with a little drawing and uh, about thanksgiving but what is left out is which direction does the thanksgiving go that's right it's not thanksgiving to god he's out of the picture it's it. And so what true. that does is it flattens yeah. out our human experience in this world to a one dimension, if you will, a secular dimension. Yeah. We have nothing then but to be thankful. Thankful to whom? That's right. <laughs> thankful to whom? Well, <laughs> Mark, you're right. The Christian has this extra dimension. Thankful mm. to God. You, that's, you know, and I, I'm probably going to misquote this, and I, I, I saw this once because I don't watch Bart Simpson, you know, the cartoon. Who is that? That's, that's a cartoon, <laughs> no, you I know. know. I, <laughs> but, you know, he's like, I, I saw a cartoon once with him where it's like, uh, you know, mom cooked the meal and dad earned the money to buy the food. God thanks for nothing, you know? And yeah. I thought, mm-hmm. that's pretty much mm-hmm. the secular attitude mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is out there. A failure to recognize yeah. that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It does. Now, this is not, uh, and I have to, uh, I think, remind uh the listener, this is not to minimize the heartache no. Absolutely and not. the tragedies that take place in life. And uh, I'm aware that pious platitudes can never go and solve the hurts of people or right. relieve them. But let me say this. Tragedies do happen in this world, and awful things do happen. I just was listening to the radio uh, traveling here to the studios, and um I heard an awful scenario of probably a young woman is being killed with three children by someone who was uh, jealous over her. Mm. Well, that's awful. It's something that is is going to pain that family for years. So do these verses have anything to say to them? Yes. (laughs) We are not thanking God that someone was murdered. We are thankful to God in the midst of murder. And Mark... uh, you mentioned that earlier about circumstances. Uh, regardless of what life circumstances are, the Apostle Paul had a thankful heart. And I thank God for the life, yes, of that one uh, who was tragically destroyed as far as the human life goes. But on the other hand, we also know that that's not the final word. And I think that's the lesson or the point we want to make. Yes. Uh, there is one who will right all the wrongs. That's right. And he will reward those who do rightly. And this is why, the, in terms of loss of loved ones, too, uh, that the resurrection of Jesus is so key here. Uh, because Jesus rose again from the dead, we have this hope. We have this hope of the resurrection. We look Amen. forward to okay. seeing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which will be the most important thing for us. And, of course, we'll see our loved ones as well. Uh, people have lost other things in life. Um, possibly you've lost a dream. I know of a fellow broadcaster who poured his life into a radio station and built it up and 
it's not going to go. He's going to have to sell out. And uh, I can just imagine how that feels, having mm-hmm. been here at Redeemer. Or maybe you have lost a job. Um, sometimes these job losses can come out of the blue. You're not mm-hmm. expecting them. Uh, you may get a sense of it in the morning as you're at work that something's going on, and by the afternoon you are laid off. These can come sudden, and uh, with the psalmist we can say that um, of God, who remembered us in our lowly state, for his mercy endures forever. Praise be to God that we have a sovereign God. You know, if he wasn't sovereign, uh, I would not feel as much comfort. It's because he really is all-powerful. He really does care for us. He really does have control of things. And that is is comforting to me as a believer in Jesus Christ. It is. It, you're right. If God wasn't sovereign, we could stand there and say, I, I think we're losing. But when we know no. God is sovereign, we know we win. I, I remember, and I don't know, quite a few years ago, I, things. I remember when the Yankees were in the World Series, and they were in so many times, but they were all the way through the playoffs. They seemed to be down, you know, two games to one, you know, mm-hmm. ready to be eliminated. One game away from elimination, and they'd come back and win and come back. And when they finally <laughs> were in the World Series, and it was the same thing, they were ready to be eliminated. And one of the sports commentators said, well, if you're the Yankees, you're saying we're right where we want to be, because that's where they were. <laughs> you know, and this is what we are. We're, you know, we're always right where we want to be, because we know God's going to come back and we're going to win. Mm. You go back to the Thurman Munson era, don't you, Mark? Yes, it does. maybe Mickey <laughs> Mantle. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it does. Yeah, I've got a I've got a Roy Campanella baseball card. You know? <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been enjoyable today. We've been talking about giving thanks to God because of His character. We can have great comfort and assurance in our thanksgiving, even in the midst of loss and tragedy. And uh, the fellows in this room here just lost a close friend and uh, just this week. So praise be to God that we can give thanks to Him in the midst of these circumstances. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for another edition of A Plain Answer. And dear listener, if you'd like to uh, retrieve this broadcast, it's up on our website. Just visit us at RedeemerBroadcasting.org. In the studio with me today has been the Reverend Mark Diedrich, Dr. John Vance. Please join us again next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer.